Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Monday holiday. That is the King's birthday holiday. And here in Western Australia, wherever you may be listening, on SENWA, also on SEN 657 in Perth, SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury and uh, the Southwest, and in the goldfields at SEN 1611. Of course, you can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line 13-12-55. Peter Vlahos with you, and also... Kim Hagdorn. Haggers. Hello, Peter. How would you think? Okay. Oh, I think I, you should Hang on, let me just do it, because I've been thinking about it since around about three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> what will be the question that I'll throw to Hags on a Monday when he joins us? Hags, we didn't expect that. Oh, no, please. I think that's that's a statement of the obvious. That's not a question. Where was Sydney? Yeah, they, they just they just got caught, didn't they? They uh, they just weren't allowed to play, and Geelong Geelong just had, everything just went right, didn't it? I mean, they they were well managed, well prepared, well coached all season. We talked about it. And we followed it for for weeks prior to the finals, where you know people like Dangerfield and Selwood and Duncan would play one, miss one, play one, miss one. And you just sort of sense, gee. This is just building up to something. And then when we saw Patrick Dangerfield's final series, particularly his preliminary and his grand final, I think that epitomised it. But also just the, the character-filled um, willingness of the player group to follow the leadership, particularly of coach and captain. And then also the way Joel Selwood has conducted himself in terms of a leader, not just a leader of, of footballers, but an entire organisation being the club. Uh, they just had an outstanding day. They were well prepared. They implemented brilliantly. And significantly, Peter, I thought it was really evident to me that who really set the tone early in that grand final and just went whack. And it was all their most important and most influential senior veterans. Okay, can I, I just thought Selwood's first quarter in particular was exemplary. Yeah. And so too Dangerfield, so too Smith, so too Blixavs. Well, they're all the 30-plus-year-olds. But they had to set tones. And then there was some st strategy that took place. Clearly the move of Henry onto Franklin was a, a, a th surprise to me. Yeah. I wonder if others were a bit surprised with it. But one or two of the other moves that uh, you just thought, oh, okay, gee, that's significant. You know, Jed Blues, we anticipated onto Papley, uh, De Conning onto Reid. Yeah, he's, he's an exciting young player. Yeah, yeah. And I thought probably to quarter time, he was one of the best few on the ground. But uh, you'd have, I would stick by, and then I did it quarter by quarter by quarter, my best few players on the ground, you know, as if I was voting on the Norm Smith mm. medal, because it becomes a discussion point, yeah. the Norm Smith medal. There's seldom just an absolute blowout obvious winner of the Norm Smith medal. And uh, I just have to say that quarter by quarter, it just stacked up for me that at three-quarter time, Patrick Dangerfield had to win the Norm Smith medal. Yeah, I agree with you. His, his statistics at three-quarter time just said, this medal's to be given out. This game's over. It was probably over at halftime. It was probably over, Peter, to be honest. I reckon probably, you know, uh, 
uh, approaching half-time. When, when, when Geelong went out to 42 points up, Stengel's second goal, and, and they'd had 33 inside 50s Geelong to 15 Sydney. Mm. And even though Sydney were winning the clearances, that was where it was ridiculous. And, and I think that reinforced how they were winning the back from uh, behind the congestion, the Geelong defenders. Uh, and I thought uh, that they just continued to grow. Then they blew it out. That, that, uh, in the opening minutes after half-time, Duncan gets one at 32nd mark, Close gets his second, Isaac Smith gets his third, and, and Geelong have nine goals in front five minutes into, this, into the third term, so five minutes into the second half. So by three-quarter time, Patrick Dangerfield had to get the medal for mine. 19 contested possessions out of his 21 to three-quarter time. Five clearances out of... Five clearances. He finished out with five clearances from the centre, Peter. Five centre clearances, mm. nine clearances overall to three-quarter time. Dangerfield was best on ground. I agree with you. I exactly. And I thought, I wouldn't have been surprised if Patrick Dangerfield, as you mentioned, took off the Norm Smith medal. And when they announced Isaac Smith, I reckon Danger would have been a <laughs> trifle disappointed. He was the burst player. Okay, Isaac Smith was great. Kicked three goals, a couple back-to-back. But it became a procession after a while for Geelong. The other thing that I'd like to throw to you, and they keep saying in inverted commas, interesting at Mad Monday today, you know, and you saw vision and you saw photos of them in their so-called wheelchairs and, <laughs> you know, with their canes and they've put grey through their hair and the fact that, you know, too old, too slow, and there's no way that Geelong can win the premiership in 2022. What does it say about senior players? Now... If you've got the right ones, then all of a sudden, and you get them where you need them to be, that is positionally, and enjoy playing with each other, there's nothing wrong with age players in the AFL. And that was so much shown on Saturday. And the experience of the likes of Isaac Smith, who knows about grand finals, mm -hmm. and others, they all came to the fore, didn't they? It, it, but it also, for mine, to answer that uh, as briefly as I can, Pete, it just... Regardless of the age of your squad, but particular if they're older, and we said the other day, 10, we said last Thursday, mm. we, we're sending 10 30-plus-year-olds into the grand final for Geelong. Uh, you have to be damn well managed. And I think the older that individual, and if you've got a bunch of individuals that are that old and they're the oldest team in any grand final to win a premiership, oldest ever. And in most instances, records are showing that they're the oldest team that's ever taken the park, let alone in a, in a grand final. Um, you just have to be really damn well managed. You have to be incredibly well disciplined, I would say, as an individual, and then as the club to get them to the peak. And they, to me, Geelong looked to me for months that they were growing toward peaking like... <laughs> A, like an athlete, like a sprinter or a distance runner for one event, and it was going to be on the 24th of September in 2022 with 10 players over the age of 30, with probably your captain about to retire, and I reckon some of them knew that. Yeah. I, I don't know about the whole group, but I, you just sensed at times that Tom Hawkins knew and that Patrick Dangerfield sensed, if, if he didn't know, Joel's finishing today. Let's just keep yeah. doing... And I think the discipline... In a bunch of individuals, because look how trim and lean they all are. They look like 25-year-olds. They're healthy. I'm getting to going to conclude my argument here and defence of Geelong with it, it, looking at West Coast for next year. 
That was going to be my next question. Yeah. How much of a lesson does Chris Scott and Geelong show to the rest of the competition when you have a senior player and how to manage them to get the best out of them when it counts? And on and off the park, damn, damn well dead set honest mm. with how you go about things. They all look lean. They looked very mean and they looked really healthy mentally and physically. That's management. That's an individual adopting uh, and, and taking on the program, accepting the program as it is, as set by the coach, the football manager, your fitness and conditioning, your assistant coaches, your health and conditioning, your, your psychologist. Everybody's played a part in mm. what Geelong have done. But not just the 22 that t take the field, 23 that take the field either, Peter, is it? You've got to have good reserves as well. And you look at some of the boys that missed out and you'd have to start to wonder, well, d does, does Sam Inagola stay? Does he, He's 30. If he'd gone into the team the other day, it's another 30-year-old. Does he sort of think about it? Now, I know Sam Inagola is contracted for 2023. Mm. But he's probably going to stay to think, well, I want to be part of this because we're a damn good bunch. And it comes back to the argument, I suppose, another tangent here is that should every squad member, you know, of the 26 or everyone that's been on the list, should they all get medals? I'm not so sure that we, we can buy into that, but it's it's an example of just how well managed they've been, to, almost to the extent, Peter, where Chris Scott has been, to me, a little bit more like an NFL head coach or an EPL manager. I just like the way he also acknowledged the former assistant coaches that were involved and helped with the process to where they got. Geelong's presence on Saturday was captivating. You, the game's finished, as I said, Peter. Five minutes in to the second half, Isaac Smith kicks his third. They're 54 points in front, Geelong. Mm -hmm. You could have got up and turned it off. Yeah. But, however, there was such intrigue uh, and captivating presence and personality from so many big names of the game. Dangerfield, Selwood, Hawkins, Love or Haney. Yeah. No, I they, like they Hawkins. They present themselves, but yep. as a club... They could have kicked five or six in the end. Peter, they did the AFL a favour mm. at the weekend with the way they conducted themselves Friday... All day Saturday, Saturday after the game, even that. Sometimes I just go, oh, I'm sick of it. I don't want to watch this. Don't want to watch the post. Oh, you watched it, didn't you? Watch it because it, they were personalities and yeah. they were presenting such great character on behalf of the game. And didn't the game need it after what came out last Wednesday? Mm. Geelong, with the way they conducted themselves on stage and off stage over the last, what, three or four days, uh, has been a real handy. Uh, sort of timely message from for the AFL on the back of what's called the, 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 the report that's been handed down on Hawthorne's behaviour. So in this century, and we've seen, of course, the Brisbane Lions, we've seen some great uh, dynasties when it comes to AFL teams. Where does Geelong now rank this performance and this team in particular uh, this century? And now, of course, a lot of people tend to live in the present and say this is the best team in the last 20 years in what they've achieved. They've blown away a form team like Sydney who had won nine on the trot out of the water. Yeah. Didn't even give, give them a sniff. It was just so comprehensive. So where do you think this team rates? I know it's hard, as I said, to look 20 years back, but it must be considered one of the great AFL performances for a long, long time. In one season, yeah. Yeah. However, no, in one season. So... 
if they could win it next year or another one somewhere soon, which I'm not so sure they're going to do with such an aged bunch. Yes, uh, that's so the driver's with, with, seat. With such an aged bunch, they're probably not. But given that they've been so much there and thereabouts, that they, what was it, eight preliminary finals in Chris Scott's reign, mm. it is part of Geelong's business plan it's their business strategy to contend every year. It's part of why they push so heavily to get eight or nine games down in Geelong every year. It gives them a fill-up and a foundation to win enough games to finish top eight, top six, top four, preferably. So as a business, they're trendsetters. They've won two premierships under Chris Scott. They've lost five preliminary finals. They've lost a grand final. For mine... That's amazing AFL and elite level sports business because you just give every cons constituent yeah. member something to look forward to day after day. They're, they also present themselves pretty exemplary. There's not too many problems behind the scenes that come to the surface at Geelong. Mm. They're a great example. They're great ambassadors. They're not in the same... You can't put them in the same category as what Richmond did three and four years yeah. Hawthorne did. In, you're saying this century, Peter. Brisbane well, won well, three out of four. I know, I know but I always think in my head they're bloody hard to win yeah. and you need a bit of luck to win. And you look, you just mentioned how many preliminary finals they've got to. I just reckon the Geelong dynasty of the last decade cannot be matched. <laughs> cannot be matched. They've been knocking on the door for that many years. Okay, you get judged on premierships, but they all say they're bloody hard to win and there are certain little factors if they go against you, as happened with Sydney with Sam Reid, bad call, Basically, their so, grand final was done. So to uh, support your case, they've won four. So they won seven, yep. 209, 211. Yeah. And it's taken them 10 years to get this next one, 11 years to in get the next meantime, one. In the meantime, they've been knocking on the door four, this yeah, decade. Yeah, and they've stayed. So yep. they're, they're the trendsetters. And I saw a statistic at the weekend. In this century, home and away's final, all games weighed up, they sit fourth. Sydney fourth. Sit, sixth, sit sixth. So... It is a very impressive business plan that's achieving something, and I'm sure everyone connected with that particular footy club, whether you're a member, even if you're just a, you know, if you're, if you're a supporter, if you wear their scarf, you buy some merchandise every year, as well as your sponsors and your actual members, um, you'd have to be pretty comfortable with their last 20 okay. years. And then, no, let's not forget, they did lose some in the 90s as well, but they were about the place. Okay, the other thing that I'd like to sort of put a comparison to, and we've got some SMSs coming through, come and join us on the Temper of Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. I broadcast the game between Richmond and GWS. And that was a yawn. That yeah, was a yawn. Yeah, now, yeah. GWS only kicked three goals, never in the game. Sydney, never in the game. But it was different. It was different to watch Geelong on Saturday than necessarily to watch Richmond obliterate GWS a few years ago. There was also another star factor that was just having a day that you couldn't take your eyes off. And that was Sydney's Lance Franklin. So I think there was so much star power and theatre in last Saturday that you couldn't turn it off. I agree with you about the GWS game. I mean, that was done and dusted. That was disinteresting after quarter time. But there was so much in this because I think some of the big names that were associated with it. OK, we're going to take a break in a moment and come back with more on the Tempera Bedshed text line. Uh, Norm of Kalgoorlie's been in touch with us. So is Roy over there in Templestone. And also uh, there is a gentleman or a lady who has texted through. No number or, in fact, the number's there, but not the name. Free OB 
beat them in Geelong, also in a final in Geelong. So there you go, a bit of a Fremantle's, support. Fremantle's greatest ever victory, I think, was that final in 2012 mm -hmm. or 13. 2013, I think, and they had to go on the road. I have to have a quick check. But the, uh, Fremantle's greatest ever victory was in Geelong in a final against all odds when Fremantle got sent to there rather than the MCG. OK, come and join us at the Scarborough Toyota open lines there as well. 13, 12, 55, Peter Vlahos, Kim Hagdon with you. On Drive on this uh, holiday Monday, we're reviewing the AFL Grand Final. And, of course, Trade Radio, SEN Trade Radio, also started today. And a bit going down uh, regarding the trades. Of course, uh, the official trade period starts next week, October the 3rd. We'll have a chat about that. Love to get your thoughts on it as well. Back with more after the break. OK, well, there just seems to be a few issues with our break, so we're back on. Apologies for the pregnant pause, but we're just going to talk I just, I just footy until the top one. of the hour. Let's clarify, because there was that text. There's no name on that one, though, but it's pointing Frio out... Frio so beat so, them in Geelong, I'm not also exactly in the final in Geelong. I'm not exactly sure why that's been sent through while we're, while we're praising Geelong for winning the Premiership, but Fremantle, I acknowledge... There's no name on that, but I acknowledge they beat them in Geelong this year by three points. We know that. And then I've touched on how Geelong... Long, uh, Fremantle beat Geelong at Geelong, only the second win that Fremantle had ever had at Geelong in 2013, and that was on their way to the grand final when they got sent down to Geelong and beat Geelong. I also reckon uh, uh, an outstanding Fremantle win over Geelong, while we're staying with Geelong, Peter, was Matthew Pavlich's game when he kicked six goals in the at the MCG in the 2012 first final of that, of that season. Uh, so... I know, I just don't see why, unless there's some, a Fremantle fan saying, well, hang on, we're talking about Geelong, but Fremantle has beaten them. They beat them there this year, it was in Geelong, and they did beat them in two finals. But the, I still maintain Fremantle's best ever performance, I think, was the, uh, the 2013 Geelong win in Geelong on their way to a grand final. Roy of Templestone, uh, thoughts of the halftime entertainment, which has been a bit of a uh, talking point. If it wasn't for Robbie and Delta, it might have been as bad as Rest in Peace Meatloaf. Yeah, no, I thought Robbie was outstanding, and the tributes that he uh, gave to Shane Warne and uh, John Farnham were outstanding. Uh, here's another one. Uh, I couldn't wait for the Wallabies versus All Blacks to start on the other channel during the grand final. Didn't hesitate to change channel when it did. So this gentleman certainly didn't enjoy the fact that it was no so one-sided. On no, 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 no. Put your name on it. So we can acknowledge you and where you're SMSing from on the temperate bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Hags, saying that, uh, the grand final's done and dusted. I suppose the only two finals that weren't close were the last two finals that Geelong played. They belted Brisbane and they belted the Sydney Swans. And, and they just showed just how powerful they were. You, you use the word, your expression, you know, you need some luck. But I, it was, I think it was more with Geelong, the old adage, you make your own luck. I, I just felt that Geelong were really cherry ripe. They were really well managed. And we were sensing this from weeks out, Pete, as, and, and the, the commitment... The buy-in from the players helps aged players to get through. Yeah. I mean, D Dangerfield didn't look 34 to me. Selwood didn't look th 34 to me. But some of the boys just look healthy and fresh. You've got to manage guys like that to get through to play like that. And then when things are going your way, like, you know, your tactics, Henry on Franklin, for instance, he belted him, absolutely murdered him. Lance looked... Lance, Lance looked... Finished. Correct. He, I was going to use another word. Like, he looked done and dusted. He had a poor final he series. Had, he Lance. had five disposals, and I think three of those 
Oh, Four of them up on the halfback flank. Yeah, uh, but I'm just and saying... one shot at goal. He, he just... He, so, was, he was gone missing, basically. He was AWOL in the uh, grand final on Saturday. So everything was going Geelong's way, wasn't it? Uh, I thought, though... Not forgetting that Sydney did go out there with some of their own plans and they just didn't happen. We'll come back to the Sam Reid one because I think there's ramifications on that. That that was just appalling and it's not... So who made that call now? He's taken responsibility, John Longmire, but surely the player has a say to the coaching staff, I'm Absolutely. ready to go. Absol I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Has to say. Mm. Oh, look, I, I, I just don't feel quite right. So... I'm not sure, but Self I think I can give you something. Okay, decision. You'd have to say yes, mm. because you think of other occasions, and I reckon most people that follow any levels of sport sort of have that adage that, you know, an unfit player is is a, is a risk. You're better off to go with a healthy player than an unfit player. But if it's the unfit player is one of your best players then maybe you'll hear that way. And think back to 2018, when, 2018, when uh, Dustin Martin played with a calf strain in the preliminary final against Collingwood, mm. and you could tell from the moment he started running around, he's not right. So yeah. that, that rebound probably cost, might have cost Richmond another premiership. They missed out on four in a row, perhaps. Reed wasn't fit. You could and I, you know what I sensed last week, and I think we said it here Thursday. And I didn't think Reed would play, and I thought McDonald would go back into the named or the starting twenty-two, and we didn't think that Max Holmes would play, because you know what I was seeing through the course of the week and through the coverage, Peter. Was I was looking for Reed training, I was looking for Reed running, catching, turning, ducking, weaving, kicking, kicking a goal, running on in match sim. He was walking around the boundary, bouncing a footy. He did a little bit of jogging. And same to with Max Holmes. I was looking to see him train. We didn't see him train. We, we were being told, oh, he's running. He's ticking all the boxes. He's running straight lines. What you, what, where you sense those blokes weren't right is what you didn't see. You didn't see them train last week. And even in the pre-match, you know, you kept watching, thinking, oh, let's see Sam Reid. He was standing around bouncing the footy. And I thought... This bloke's not right. He's yeah. going to come. I kept thinking right up till the last minute, they're going to drag him out and McDonald will come in. But it didn't. He played and he shouldn't have played. And the coach has to accept it because he has to have been the final one to say, all right, OK, Sam, we'll go with you. But Robbie Fox on Jeremy Cameron worked. Fox was their second best player, I reckon, mm -hmm. Sydney's. I thought Ryan Clark worked in his tagging role on Tom Stewart. Yeah. Tom Stewart was tidy, but not a standout. And Tom McCartan on Tom Hawkins just didn't work. That was a, he got monstered. And Paddy McCartan, they finished up too tall down the back, I reckon. And again, I reckon Geelong out-strategised to leave Hawkins deep, Cameron up the ground, and then all the smalls. And, and Paddy McCartan was too big for the likes of the, the smaller crumbing players, you know, Close and Stengel and so on. One stage, Paddy McCartan was on Stengel. Yeah. OK, let's, uh, before we leave the grand final, because I'd like to talk to you about maybe how the AFL competition will look next year, Hags. Uh, now they're going to review probably... You know, the technology, whether it's going to stay a day grand final because of uh, the ratings, which were the lowest in AFL history when it came to free-to-air TV. Is there now an opening to maybe go twilight night grand final? Also, the fact that, uh, you know, Luke Beveridge reckons we need to get rid of the sub-rule, the Medi sub-rule. Uh, uh, I think that. I, I think, yeah. well, Medi sub 
or do you just still have a sub? One or the other. Let's, let's clean it up. Is it a medi sub or a sub? I think maybe to clean it up. Okay, let's go quickly uh, before we go to the Tempera Bedshed text machine and keep sending them through. We're going continuous commercial free till six o'clock. How's that? I feel like I'm an FM jockey. A commercial free to six o'clock <laughs> with Haggers and Peter. The only thing you're not saying is we've, we've got the tickets to the grand final. We got the last two tickets in town. Zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. If you haven't been on board with us uh, at any stage, you've got plenty of time. As I said, we're going commercial free right through till six o'clock. Haggers, before we leave the grand final, we've spoken a lot about Geelong. Where does this leave Sydney now heading into next season? Honestly, uh, Buddy Franklin is not the same player, even though he's got a one-year contract, which in some ways was a great PR exercise for everybody involved with Sydney in the footy community as a bit of a pep-up going into the game on Saturday. But have we got a few question marks now? Have a few cracks not entirely opened up on uh, Sydney? Well, Sydney are still, right now, over yeah. the course of the weekend, since, you know, half past three Saturday, you start thinking about, well, where do we look at for next year? What, what are our crystal ball visions for next year? Now, one thing you've got to take and keep in mind when you start making projections for next season, and this is very early, I mean, was it, what's today, the 26th of September, yeah. you've got to take into account trading, mm -hmm. you've got to take into account your staffing changes, so even coaches, you know, new coach at Essendon, new coach at North Melbourne, Drafting, who you get in through the draft, the, the top-end clubs, Geelong and Sydney, they're at the back end of the draft. They're not going to get the, the best young kids, so how they handle those. So, therefore, your development plan, your development program for 223, 224. <laughs> and, of course, the, I reckon the key to the whole thing is your fixture draw. When the fixtures come out at the end of October, you look down and you think, whoa, jeepers, you know, Fremantle have got Sydney, Geelong away, and uh, let's say Melbourne at the MCG in the first three weeks. You think, oh, that's a tough start. You start making your assessments. Before we see all those, Peter, Sydney will still, for mine, be a top four side. Mm -hmm. Geelong, Sydney, Melbourne, Collingwood, they were this year's top four. Brisbane, Carlton, Bulldogs, Richmond, Port Adelaide, I think, will climb. I think Carlton will climb. I think Fremantle will drift back into the bunch of contenders for a spot in the lower part of the top eight. Mm -hmm. So, Sydney, in answer to your question, long-winded, you've got to m mix them up with all the others. Does Essendon, Adelaide, Gold Coast, can they push to be contenders for 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th? I don't think so. I think we've got 10 candidates for next year's top eight with two changes. Port Adelaide, for mine, will make the top eight. I think they've got so much going for them. Tenth this year with 10 wins and 12 losses. A percentage of 110. That's impressive. Lost eight games by 14 points or less, Port Adelaide, and four by less than eight points. For mine, they kick again. And Port also get in Willie Rioli, a goal-kicking small forward. Yeah. There's so much you can look at. Sydney... The, the first thing you do with Sydney, I reckon, is, is just rule, rule out Saturday. Not even review it. Just think, well, we, we had a crap day. Let's start planning next year. Because okay. other than Saturday, they were pushing towards being the second best team in the competition. Yeah, they're lucky to get to the grand final. Were they the second best team in the grand in the in the season? Oh, I think so because of their run. But they're lucky to get to the grand final. I reckon Collingwood will put on a better there performance. You go. So I think who, who is another another thirty seconds in that game of the SCG and the Magpies win. Would we have seen an 80-point result? No. Possibly not, no. So they're not the second-best team in the competition, but they're not going to be that that bad that they're yeah. not going to make it make well, the top uh, four, top six and next year. And they made bad decisions because they played one yeah. short from the start. Well, that, 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 was was arrogant, that was an arrogance, I yeah. thought. And, and oh. John, John Lymite got away with that.
I reckon, by, yeah. by admitting straight after the game, yeah, we got it wrong. Boom. Yeah. No, one's, no one's said anything about it again. Yeah. All right, Denise, yes, you uh, wondering if you were successful in winning the AFL record as a prize that was offered last week. Yes, Denise, you did win it. So just get Denise's details and we'll send it out to her. Good on you, Denise. I like the name. Okay, let's go, Haggers. I reckon uh, Denise was the first time caller. Yeah, and that's week. why I'm giving her the AFL record oh, as a souvenir. Yes, yeah, yes. And I like the name. All right, if Logan <laughs> McDonald is behind an injured Sam Reid and also Hayden McLean in the picking order, does that make him gettable by WA Club? Oh. It puts a significant offer to him. That's from Paul. Logan McDonald, see, Buddy will be managed next year. Don't be surprised mm -hmm. if Buddy just plays at the SCG next year. I oh, will we'll play MCG, play play some bigger games, but certainly, uh, you know, 15 perhaps, a bit like Josh Kennedy this year. Yeah. Does it become, that's the sad thing about it, does it become a late in the season retirement like a Josh Kennedy? I know West Coast had a different sort of a year, but. So where I, does this leave Logan McDonald? Well, I've got here, I've got my grand final casualties. Logan McDonald, question mark. Now, he's contracted till 2024. If I was Logan McDonald's manager, I would have been wanting to see John Longmire and uh, Tom Harley where would you, first thing this Where morning. would you have put him in the grand final side? How he would you have played, played McLean's? He could have played McLean's position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Logan McDonald. Afternoon, boys. I can't for the life of me understand how people underplay how good players are this talk, Frio getting Luke Jackson is a bad move. It's beyond tell me how. Okay, this is going on. This is Josh of Canning Vale. The bloke is a third-year player that has already won a flag. He was only... He will only make Frio better. The same with this talk about how Collingwood don't need Grundy. Give me a spell. The bloke is the second-best ruck in the comp. And if he was a... If he was fit, the Pies would have been playing in the grand final this year. Interesting. Thanks, Josh of Canning Vale. It's interesting regarding what's happening with Jordan Degoe, as we talk about Collingwood yeah. and Josh and, and uh, Grundy. The fact that Degoe, and you brought it up a few weeks ago, that they've offered him a good contract, but there are stipulations there. Now, he's saying, hang on, I'm not going to abide by these so-called small print yeah, regarding behavior. my, my behavioural uh, situation. Uh, and what I need to abide by. I so where does that lead to go? Is he going to end up at St Kilda? More like a go on the market, yeah. absolutely. And 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 test Collingwood's resolve on this, I suppose, as well. If Collingwood... I wouldn't let Dugowie go, and, and I would make... So that means that Collingwood have to backtrack? A little bit. A little bit is of give that, and take. Is that a good thing? To backtrack well in the current climate and also they, also they've got a great culture there Craig McRae has developed an enormous culture so he's thinking we need to put this in to make sure that there's no damage coming our way in 2023 because like a a driver who's lost his driver's license three or four times we've got to put condition in there that he doesn't lose his license again mm. and no. I think the goal is a bit like that you're always nervous when he leaves the footy club after training or after a match. Then you'd have to have a little program around him and you, you employ someone who almost becomes his minder. Uh, and Collingwood can do that. They're a wealthy club. And also they've got the, the type of figures around the place that I reckon would enjoy a, a task of looking after Jordan Degoe and, and you optimise his, uh, his contributions on field. So I, do you think I, you'll stay at Collingwood? Uh, I think I do, yeah, I do. However, I, I've said over and over, Peter, season after season, at this stage of a year, if a player hasn't re-signed, he's highly unlikely to stay.
Okay. Mind you, we saw uh, Jason Johannesson finally sign one today to stay with the Bulldogs, for instance. Now, mm -hmm. not putting them, but the two boys in the same category, but sometimes you do get the pretty late signings. But uh, clearly, I would suggest that Bugoe is balking because he's going to explore his options. Uh, the money would be pretty similar, I reckon. But if he has got a, a, an offer from a St Kilda, and St Kilda might also have to wait to see what happens, say, with Brad Hill. Does Brad Hill finish up going to North Melbourne, has been, as has been considered? And then St Kilda think, well, we can free up some salary uh, here for a Jordan Degoe, plus we need a, pl a replacement for just behind the ball or around the congestion with Jordan with uh, Brad Hill going. So lots of ifs and buts. And that's where trade becomes fascinating. It, it's a, I reckon it's a really fascinating time. A lot of people call it the idiot season and, you know, it's silly season, there's a circus. It is very difficult to follow trade closely. Yeah. It, is, it is the most difficult time of your footy season is to cover the trade and that's where I reckon trade radio has subsequently become such a good uh, outlet to get all the news because it's from 4am Perth time Peter that they start they stay on air pretty much all day you can get heaps out of it from trade radio but having covered trade many times it is a very difficult time so things will change and things will be considered but um, and I also think even like with the with the Jackson one to Fremantle for instance uh, they're gonna happen they're going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Have uh, you, you got your doubts on Degoe? Yeah, I, I just reckon Collingwood have just got to toe the line. They've got to be strong in this situation. And as uh, as I said, uh, the club's bigger than one individual. And if he doesn't buy play by the rules... Well, are they a top four side without him next year? Yeah, I reckon. Uh, yeah, I reckon. Get Adam's back healthy. Yeah, I reckon. Um, hey, Haggers, just, and we're, we need to take a break. I, I was just saying we're going commercial free, but now I've been told we need to take a break. <laughs> but anyway, hey, Haggers, someone rang up on Dwayne's show. That's Dwayne Russell on SEN in Melbourne and said he heard a strong story that Logan McDonald naturally wasn't happy about being dropped that might look at to ask to come home. Have you heard anything? John of High Wickham is uh, throwing the question to the newsbreaker, Kim Hagdon. Have you heard anything, Haggis? I know the family was very uncomfortable with, uh, with how Logan was handled from last Thursday evening right through Friday and Saturday. The, the family were uncomfortable. I, I would suggest there be something in that. You'd have to make some... His management, even his parents, great family, the McDonald's, yeah. country folk... Um, I would like to think his dad and his mum and his parents are saying to the, to the manager, what the heck happened? Find out from John Longmire and Tom Harley. We would like to consider mm. some options here. What is going to happen next year? Franklin's going on. You treated him like that. McLean was crap. You made a terrible decision to play a spoiled brat, Sam Reid, who's injury-prone yeah. his entire career. Let's get some answers. But his manager should be strong here. Yeah, OK. Interesting. Yeah, and I spoke to his dad, actually, on this program once he was uh, taken to Sydney, and he was. He was mm. a, a terrific mm. uh, father who was very, very proud. No you know doubt. who they were really good friends of? Who? A great friend of yours and mine, Peter Henderson. Oh, really? The, the late Peter the, Henderson. The late Peter Henderson. They footy together up in the country. Wow. Yeah, that brings back memories. Which And therefore, probably reinforces the type of character and people that the McDonald's are. Uh, I think just on due diligence, they'd be wanting to try and... He, the kid's 20. Mm. The kid's 20. And, and he's been treated like that. You'd want to make sure he gets good 
good counselling over over the last 24 to you know 60 odd hours, and certainly in the next coming days, I, yeah. I'd be making, I'd be wanting to speak to the management. Yeah. Gee, that's, uh, you've just brought up a name, and I remember him very fondly all those years ago, his three lovely daughters and his wife. It's uh, 26 to, no, 24 to 6. It is. We're going to take a break and come back with more in a moment. Sending uh, through your temperate bedshed text line, query 0487 736 736. Now, Lisa has uh, sent an SMS saying, I can't get through, boys. What's happening on the Scarborough Toyota open line? They reckon we're bound it, barring her from no, you're not actually no coming on, on board. No one had banned Lisa. Uh, uh, we've had a few little issues from our technical side of things. Lisa, just send us a, a text and we'll acknowledge that as well. We'll come back with more here on Drive with Peter Vlaus and Kim Hagdon. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. A little driving on a Saturday night. Okay, we are going right through until uh, the top of the hour. I've just told Jimmy and Lee, no more commercial breaks. We're running with Just Talk and we're running just with you uh, on the temperate bedshed text line. You'll just have to go through 0487 736 736. Sorry, Lise, we can't have a chat to you tonight. There's just a couple of little gremlins on the phone line, so we look forward to your text. Now, let's look at some of the trades and then we'll look at some of the decisions that may shape the game's look next year, Hags. You know, the technology, uh, the Medi-Sub and a few other little dynamics that they'll look at during the course of the off-season. Now, Colin Young on SEN's AFL Trade Radio was asked a question about Rory Lobb. We know Fremantle digging their heels in because he's a contracted player. This is what his manager said today. I, again, I'd like him to be and he wants to be there and we'll just work with Fremantle to try and get it done. I know that at this point in time they've said no, but... I've, you know, we've all been through this a fair, fair few times and sometimes there's just a little bit of an opportunity there and, you know, he's got one year to go. You saw what happened with Bobby Hill last year. He had one year to go and Jason, the club, done really well today by saying that you know, the deal will get done to Collingwood. So this could be a win for Fremantle if they get some really good picks that can help him get Jackson. So we're hoping that's the case. Colin Young. He'll oh, get there. He'll get there for sure. Yeah. I mean, Rory Lobb... Uh, yeah, I mean... Fremantle are obliged to, to help Rory Lobb go where he wants to go. They, this time last year, mm. they had committed to help him go where he wanted to go in two, at the end of 2022. What I have heard, though, uh, is that Josh Shackey is being touted uh, as part of any Rory Lobb deal. Now, Josh Shackey, um, mm. not so sure, but Fremantle are still going to need some players. There's so many moving out that they'll need a player or two because they're, they're going to give up their draft picks to Melbourne to get Luke Jackson. So if they got Luke Jackson in for two first-round picks, they've got to work to get that. Fremantle have currently got pick 13. They have to get some picks. They've got to get picks from the likes of uh, 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 Rory Lobb moving. Lloyd Meek to Hawthorne, Peter. He has asked Fremantle to go to Hawthorne. He'll jump to about $500,000 a season for four seasons, at least, uh, Lloyd Meek, by going to Hawthorne. West Coast still uh, holding some interest for, the, for Lloyd Meek if he didn't get to Hawthorne, but there's other Eastern States clubs also chasing Lloyd Meek, but he's asked Fremantle explicitly to get him to Hawthorne uh, to replace Ben McAvoy, but if Shackey was available as part of the Rory Lobb deal, I suppose it'd be a bit extra, wouldn't it? Because if Bulldogs have got pick number 29, probably, that they're going to give up for, for Rory Lobb, if there was something else with it as well, it'd make it more appealing. So would it should it be a Josh Shackey? Not so sure. He's not that good a player. He's 25. He's played 72 
two games uh, in seven seasons, uh, 45 at the Bulldogs, just seven games this season. So, however, it just might be something a little bit extra for Rory Lobb. Fremantle have got pick number 13, then nothing till 74. So they really have to get picks for the likes of Rory Lobb. Griffin Logue, definitely to North Melbourne. Fremantle have got to be cooperative there because for, if, it, if it got him in any way narky or nasty for Griffin Logue to go and earn his $500,000 a year for five years, Peter, uh, then he could go through the pre-season draft. So Fremantle needs a pick or two or pick something there for Griffin Logue as well. So they're the ones from a local viewpoint that we are going to see in the next week or so. I don't think we'll see anything straight away. Trade starts next Monday, yeah. goes through to Wednesday week. I think some of these, particularly the Rory Lobb one, probably they'll probably drag out till close to conclusion time, which is telecast. They'll need some of those. Um, the Melbourne approach and dealings and negotiations with Brody Grundy looks really loaded. That's almost a lock and loaded. Grundy to Melbourne. And I hear there's a, lot of, there's a lot of bad blood between Grundy and Collingwood. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, it's almost a Trelaw situation there. Yeah, more reports. Yeah, yeah. He's, and, quite, he's quite gutted. And Melbourne are willing to pay quite a lot of the million dollars he's on. And as you say, Collingwood now sort of seem it's probably a little bit like Fremantle need to make some moves. Uh, Collingwood need to make some moves to try and get players in, and also to, so to spread spread their salary cap. Uh, and that's where if they if Dugowie goes in, there's more available. Some of the boys waiting for new contracts at Collingwood. However, uh, Grundy is a lock to Melbourne because Melbourne know they're losing Luke Jackson. Okay, so now, Fremantle know they have to get the deal to satisfy Melbourne because West Coast are still sitting there saying to Melbourne and Melbourne and West Coast are talking, we can give you pick number two. We can give you pick number two for a start. Mm. So that's why Melbourne are more interested in talking to West Coast. West Coast. Luke Jackson has said, I want to go to Fremantle. Okay, the other thing is, Simon of Claremont says, do Freo have now more leverage in the Jackson deal now that Melbourne have committed to Grundy? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. No, because Luke Jackson is Melbourne's player. I know he's not contracted, but he's still their player. Uh, I, I suppose what it tends to indicate to me from... That was Simon, was it? Yeah. What it tends to indicate to me, Simon, is that Melbourne have known for some time that Luke Jackson was going to go to Fremantle. So they've been working on getting Brodie Grundy for some time knowing that they were losing Jackson. They've committed to lose Jackson, but, however, he is a pick number three. He's only three years into his career. I think he's going to be anything. I think he's going to be a very, very talented player, Luke Jackson. 21 years of age, played 47 games, I think it is, Pete. Yeah. And he's, he's going to be a really good player. So they would want something really good back. He was a pick number three. They can say, we want two first-round picks. I reckon Fremantle can do that. OK, now Paul says, uh, no club can offer Jordan Dugowie a significant contract without any behaviour clauses. Imagine you're the club who does and it all goes pear-shaped and everyone says, why wasn't there that clause in there? Interesting. Well, certainly a Collingwood field that needs to be a couple of clauses in there to keep him on track. And, of course, you'll still pick up a decent wage, the free agent, won't he? You'll still get a, a good contract, Jordan Dugowie, but... In the end, you've got to look at what's happened in the past. We're going to safeguard ourselves as a club and yourself by putting those harping, clauses in there. I think you're there. harping on it a bit much, didn't you? I think Dugowie was good this season, In the, the longer the season went for Collingwood. Dugowie was good oh. up in Bali with all those images. Peter, uh, it, it was... They weren't, it was good, they weren't good images. You don't do that on social media. Can no, that, that, that's the argument. Lots of boys and girls do that of their own. It's crazy. Lots of boys and girls do it. 
in their own time. He, Collingwood let him go. Collingwood had to be a bit careful. They, they allowed him to go yeah. to Bali. Yeah. And what they did, the stupid thing about it, the most stupid thing about that was that someone filled it and hit send to everybody. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't know anything about it. Oh, exactly right. But th that's the world you live in now. Yeah. So the the. So do you think? Do you think social media is now uh, a problem child mm. for football clubs and professional so, sports people? So the people? education is to not hit send. Well, in the end, the, that's the first piece of education. I agree. Then the next I one agree. Be I agree. But who will stop? Kim Hagdorn, not that we're there that prominent, but who would start? Every, if you saw Jordan Dugowie walk past us here, I bet you someone will snap a shot of him. Of course they would, because he's a recognisable... Correct. Correct. So, in your, in your tenure as a professional sports people, do what Roger Federer does. There's no greater player on the planet that commands... But everyone a, is hang different. on, hang Not on, let me same. finish. Hang on. That commands as much attention on the world stage as Roger Federer has he ever, ever seen him in a compromising situation. You're on, you're on your high horse there. Nah, please. Uh, so Can I tell you, some, so of these, some of these a AFL footballers mm. take us for mugs. Because they are mugs. Sometimes they, Some they, are. they need... The vast majority aren't. No, I agree with you. And that Geelong football team aren't, because they show no, because, just how professional they're they are. Joel, they're led by Joel Selwood, yeah. who, who is a Roger Federer type of... Yeah, exactly. ...inspirational yeah. mentor and, and role model. I accept that. However, some of them aren't. Okay. Uh, there's a heap coming through and here. And until someone sets send, you don't know who's who. Okay. Now, let's give Lisa a bit of... Run here. At least couldn't have a chat to us. Hi, Pete, Kim. Age is only a number. Yes, we say that all the time, Haggers and I. Uh, Lisa, don't worry, it's only a number, but becoming a big one. Cats showed that on the weekend. Cats were on from the get-go. Uh, every player played their role. Henry, the coning, epic game. Tom Hawkins, not a ruckman, but he made out, he outsmarted Hickey from the boundary throw-ins and kicked two goals. The only shining light for Sydney, I think, mm. was Warner. Yeah, he played pretty well, the boy from East from Allen. Fox, uh, they worked their butts off. Reed, huge mistake. Uh, and Cam Green, I saw that last night. We were talking just before we mm. came on. Now, I saw the cricket last night, India versus Australia. We might touch on that a bit later on, uh, Haggis, because Cam Green just went bang, bang, bang. He is going half, to be... Made a half century in about 18 balls. Yeah, 21. He is going right. to be... Mr. Perfection. He is going to be... <laughs> 21. <laughs> possibly the best cricketer in the world in two years' time. And Australia now want him to play. What, what we can reveal is Australia, the, the management is trying to work at getting him into all three formats. Uh, they realise they have to manage him so that he doesn't break down again and become uh, injury-prone, uh, as he has been. He's only 23, but they want him in all three formats because they feel that he can be the all-rounder that can float. He could bat, open the batting, as we saw last night. He could bat at number seven and finish a game. And they've got a big problem in Australian cricket, for white ball cricket especially, Pete, because yeah. the likes of Steve Smith, Marnus Labashane, Probably Marcus Stoinis, your boy from down the road. <laughs> There's not room for all of them in the team. No. And they've no. got to get Cameron Green in. And then they can play with him as who can play as a specialist batter. You only need to then play two or three specialist bowlers at the back end. All right. Now, Haggard, you were right. 21 balls for his 52. Mm -hmm. His 50 came up in 19. Mm. I said 18. So I was only one. Mm. I think the fastest... One, run, one ball wrong. Yeah, I know. No, I think we're both right there, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Ball's based. And I think the, the fastest 50 in a T20 by an Australian, I'm pretty sure, is Maxwell uh, and David Warner have both done it in 18 balls. Yeah, so good on and you, Cameron. It was good to watch last night. He just went bang, bang, bang. He was lost. Just...
Wasn't good to watch last night. They lost. Well, I didn't stay up that late, I must admit, but I saw Cam Green's performance. Who was who was very special. And Tim David, I tell you what, yeah, he hasn't he, he come on. Just the say, boy he, from Claremont Netherlands. He's going to be a true, probably a three or four million dollar a year player somewhere very soon. But the, that's if he doesn't play for Australia. Yeah. Playing for Australia is going to cost him a lot of money in playing tournaments around other tournaments around the world for you know two and three and four hundred thousand dollars US. Okay, Pies are closer to winning a flag than the Saints, and besides, Dugowie is a crucial player to Collingwood. Success. No name on that text, but thanks very much uh, for sending it uh, through. The pies are closer than, than St Kilda. St Kilda are the, just about the furthest team away in the whole mm. competition. They're just, they're just not going to get there. OK, Haggis, a couple of uh, issues that no doubt the AFL footy departments are going to discuss over coming weeks. I don't think if anyone going forward is involved in a Patrick Cripps-style collision, they won't be a contender for a Brownlow medal. That, that'll be looked at. And nor should have Patrick Cripps been. Yeah, that'll be looked at. Yeah. Uh, no. uh, especially when the, the chief executive went public yeah. prior to, and then it became huge news after Cripps had won the medal. And I think we, we debated it amongst ourselves. I think it was round... But for a few of the judicial people in the tribunal system, or the hearing system, mm. tribunal had banned him, the MRO had banned him. Uh, he, sh he shouldn't have been eligible... Mm. This year, let alone once they've cleaned the rules up, Peter. What should they do with the Medi sub? Just uh, make it a sub. I just think, a sub? Yeah, so, and you can sub him in and out any time you like. So as has so been the case, 20, 20... If, they've, if they've got a minor complaint, you can just sub oh, him no, off. Or if, he, or if he's playing crap. Yeah. So if you'd had Logan McDonald as your sub the do, other day, you, and you could have subbed out Buddy Franklin. Do you extend the bench? Then? Uh, I'd like to think that. I, I reckon 23 or 24 would be fine, and then rotate them. Yeah. Perhaps even reduce your rotation numbers. If you had 23 or 24 players as your teams, 18 on the ground at any one time, and you could only have, say, 60 rotations instead of the 84, I think it is, uh, that might also... Uh, well, it allows players to play, yeah. and, and some players in their contracts will have, uh, you know, uh, performance base. So it's four and a half, five, six grand a game. But more so, I just think for the pace of the game, the rotations. But then there's others that sort of say, bring back the reserves. You shouldn't have them. Make them play. I think we're past all that, though. Okay, and technology, uh, it looks like the AFL goal review system is going to be looked at during the off season. On the back end of that Richmond-Brisbane mm. game mm. with Lynch, of course, the ball going over the top of the goalpost, reportedly. The league is considering where the goal umpires will send a decision straight to the ARC without making a call on a goal or behind, which will lessen the confusion. They'll get the message back and signal without going to the field umpire. In all sports right around the world, all different sports that use technology, so you use vision to assist with your decision-making processes, please give away the umpire's call, yeah. especially, say, in cricket. If the umpire's unsure it's automatically the favour of the batsman. Mm -hmm. If your decision makers that are using the DRS are unsure, look after the batsman. Don't go back to an umpire's call. Same with footy. Don't let the umpires, the goal umpires, make a call. Their call should be, I'm not sure. Let's let the decision review system make the final decision. Not if they can't and it's inconclusive, go back to an umpire's call because he wasn't sure in the first place. Otherwise, make your strong call or take it out completely. Umpire's call should go. Good on your Hags. Very strong at the end. Thanks for joining us here tonight, Haggers. Uh, Jimmy and Lee, we got through. I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's been a busy one. This has been Drive with Peter Vlahos and Kim Hagdon for On SENWA. I'll be back tomorrow from 5. I look forward to your company then. Have a good night, everyone.